Welcome to The Practice, a podcast dedicated to unpacking the challenges and joys of being human in this unprecedented time. Each episode will delve into a different aspect of the practice of living with the goal of leaving you empowered to go out into the world as your best self embodied. Hello, and as always, thank you so much for taking the time to tune into this show. I'm your host, Brooke Davidson. If you clicked into this episode, despite seeing the word boredom in the title, high five to you, because that's a pretty brave thing to do. Most of us try to avoid that B word. And also, good for you for perhaps understanding that this episode isn't necessarily going to be an embodiment of boredom but rather is going to be an exploration of it and a little bit of a myth buster as relates to boredom. So I'd like to start by looking at boredom and stress and how they maybe sit with us in our nervous systems. One thing that I think is so important to recognize is that our modern society is a pretty recent thing. And so when you look at the entire history of humankind, our evolution of our biology and our physiology really hasn't had a chance to catch up. So it just so happens that intense stress, whether it be from a hard conversation with a colleague or whether it be from a grizzly bear charging you, it literally registers the exact same in your nervous system and in your body. And so we have to be very careful of stress, of our exposures to stress and of navigating it in a way that feels more sustainable. We are resilient creatures. We are built to have some life-threatening interactions and we're not necessarily built to have stress all day every day for, you know, 365 days a year. We're meant to kind of go through seasons or experiences and for many people, their career or job is really an experience of stress that is not entirely sustainable and not healthy in their body. So when we're in that stress response, and that typically it's like a sympathetic response where maybe you feel like that fight or flight going on, you feel certain senses kicked on, other senses that are more secondary or kicked off. For example, you might notice your eyes widening and being more sensitive to light and movement, and you might notice that your hearing shuts off. That's actually a secondary sense in our bodies. And so our hearing can feel kind of fuzzy in those moments of intensity. That's something that you might be able to relate to if you've been in a really uh, stressful experience. And you might notice that digestion is not incredibly reliable during that stress response. And so even just for our bodies to function, to digest, to sleep, to listen to others, we need to have moments of time where we're not in a stress response. We need to have moments of time where our bodies can go through those processes that are a little bit slower, a little bit more intentional. And so we obviously, we know that like intense stress is not a healthy thing, not a sustainable thing, but is boredom really the answer? Is boredom something that is good for us or is boredom for some perhaps even a similar stressful experience of what do I do now? What I want to put forth is this recognition that boredom 
can be a very calming experience for the nervous system. It can be a place where there's not threats, where there maybe your body gets to move through some of those slower processes. And boredom can be an area that we can turn to when we need a little bit less noise, both figuratively and literally. Y'all, our world is chaotic. It is a busy place. There are constantly noises and flashing signs and advertisements and brightly colored posters. I mean, there's just stuff all the time. I don't know about you. I live in a small town and I've found that I have gotten kind of used to like being able to run my errands when I want to run my errands. And when COVID happened and the grocery store started running different hours or having people maximums and stuff, I was really thrown off by that. And I realized that I had grown accustomed to a world that was basically a 24-7 experience where I did not really need to plan around other people's schedules because our society in general, like, stuff's just open. People are available. I had grown accustomed to parents emailing me about their children's schoolwork at 10 p.m. or at 6 a.m. And, of course, this is just when they happen to maybe have a gap of time to address that. But there was also an expectation that I was getting back to them at those times. And so... I say all of this just to draw a little bit of attention to why perhaps the notion of boredom is a little bit foreign and seen as even a negative thing because it doesn't really fit into what our society values and how our society functions. And then you add into that technology and the fact that it's a little bit easier to give someone some technology and distract them than it is to watch them kind of grapple with boredom and figure it out and come up with something to do. And all of a sudden, we completely understand why boredom is an outcast in our world. But I'm really wanting to to dive into this concept of boredom in a way that maybe is more personal. So I would like you to consider in your life, perhaps in your youth, maybe you're going to hang out with a friend and you're trying to decide what to do. How are we going to spend our time together? What are we going to do? I remember laying on my friend's bed and they were sitting on their beanbag chair and we were throwing back and forth ideas and we'd say, no, I don't really want to do that or no, we don't really have time for that or oh, no, that sounds too chaotic or that sounds not very interesting. And it would maybe take an hour (laughs) of us doing this to finally come up with an idea. And when we did, we were thrilled and we had so much fun. And it was something that literally took an hour to come up with. If we were told you have five minutes to come up with an idea, we wouldn't have gotten to the same place. We would not have had the same experience. And I remember, you know, maybe we have a two hour window of time to hang out. My mom would come to pick me up and we'd be so sad. We'd say, we just finally figured out what to do. And now we have to go home. But we figured out what to do because we let our minds wander. We allowed ourselves to think beyond the obvious. Do y'all remember, I'm, I'm going a little ways back now. Do y'all remember when we'd actually look at like the second page of Google? 
or like the 10th page of Google. I mean, I remember when computers started to be a thing that we could ever so occasionally integrate into school doing some like research and we I was frequently going to other pages of Google. I cannot tell you the last time that I went to the second page of Google because the algorithm has honed things down so much and there's so much information out there that if I type in my specific query, it's probably the top link. Maybe I have to read a couple different ones. Maybe I go down to the third article, but I'm sure as heck not going to the third page of Google anymore. Right? Things have gotten quicker. They've gotten shorter. And I picture boredom as like going to the second page of Google or the third page or the 25th page. I picture it as a person caring a little bit less about time, a little bit less about production, and instead saying, okay, but what other options are there? In this way, boredom is a tool to open our minds, to expand our thought processes. Boredom becomes an instrument of exploration. And you maybe heard me say this word a little bit earlier. I said grapple. And that's a word that's been on my mind a lot in the last couple years. And it's something that's come to mean a great deal to me. And it's truly, as a public educator, the thing that I'm most concerned about is that my students struggle to grapple with things. They're used to having either instant ability to find an answer or have a tool that helps them find that answer. And if they can't figure out how to do it and it's not incentivized, like, you know, they can figure out video games and things like that really well. But in a classroom, if it's a topic that they're not naturally interested in and they're not getting like these little dopamine rushes because they open a treasure chest and whatever cool tool pops out for their expedition in the video game, they're not getting that little input they really struggle to grapple with stuff. They struggle to allow time and space. They struggle to keep themselves on task and have that self-discipline of, okay, how do I stay focused on this even though it's getting challenging? If it's easy, no issue. But if it's challenging, the issue arises. And this isn't to say this is every student every day that's struggling to grapple, but it is to say this is a real deal. My colleagues and I talk about it frequently, that this is a challenge our current students are facing, and how do we support them with it? And I truly believe that boredom is one of the answers. If you're a parent, I would encourage you, if you don't already, to have times where your kid goes without their phone for the weekend and they get to be bored. I feel like there's a little bit of fear instilled in us about like, oh, I need to have my phone on me for safety's sake. Like, what if there's an emergency? Well, you know, there's always been emergencies. Like, we've found ways <laughs> to deal with it. You know, like, it's, I'm not saying, I'm, I hope I'm not coming across as like being an extremist here, but I do think that going a weekend without technology you know, if there's really an emergency, run to the house next door and use their phone or grab your phone out of the box in the bottom of the pantry and turn it on and use it. You know, like there, 
there are always so many options in this modern world. But what is it like to be bored? What is it like to grapple with things? To push your own mind into conceiving a new idea, perhaps. Maybe in your boredom, something clicks. Right? Like our brains are always thinking. This is why maybe you have a dream that answers a question for you where you figure out how to solve that problem at work. Or maybe this is why when you're in the shower or driving a car, aka those places that we can't really be distracted, that we can't really be busy, that in those places maybe some ideas gel in your mind or you think, oh, here's the solution. So imagine if you created more of that space throughout your day. If you gave your brain that ability to have a little bit of room to roam. Because again, going back to how we've evolved, we have not adjusted yet. Our brains are really quite used to having a little more freedom, to having space and less input. I think the best evidence for this has been my own experiments with it. If I leave tech behind and go out into the woods for a few days, the world feels like such a more vibrant and meaningful place. And I feel like I have such perspective of my place within it. And I also just feel so grounded and, and a little bit more real. It's like I become 3D again. I've removed myself from the rat race for a moment and suddenly I can like feel my limbs again and <laughs> you know it just feels more significant and so if you get a chance for yourself or for your children or people who you know you have charge of in any way you might just experiment with this and see what happens come to your own conclusions and maybe they're quite different than mine but you'll never know unless you try Thank you so much for tuning in. To follow along with my work, you can find me on Instagram at brook underscore being. If you're interested in contacting me for a private yoga or life coach consult, please send an inquiry to brookdavidsonyoga at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.